Jesus Listens, the 365-day prayer devotional, now comes in a note-taking edition. This beautiful book includes a leather soft cover and space each day for you to write your reflections, prayers, and thoughts. It makes a perfect gift for anyone who journals and wants to make a record of their walk with God. Look for the Jesus Listens note-taking edition wherever you buy books. We're vulnerable. We're seeking counsel. We're seeking some type of comfort in some type of way. And the easiest answer for me has just always been the Word and prayer and really pushing to make that a priority because I've had my moments where I've tried to do it myself and it's just the most brutal plan. It's the sloppy and it's just not built on any type of firm foundation. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Life throws a lot of stuff our way, both good and bad. But have you ever found yourself at that wall when you know that if one more thing comes your way, you're going to explode? We don't fully understand why God allows us to reach those breaking point moments, but we can know that He loves us, and we can trust that He's a refuge from the worst of storms in our life. Luke Weaver is a newly signed pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds after recently playing for the Kansas City Royals. Luke got attention beyond his athletic talents in the league for the special glove he wears designed to look like an old-school Bible. It reminds him of God's promises to stand by him in any situation. Talit and Ty McNeely are a married couple who faced a fork in the road when Talit decided to come clean about his less-than-ideal financial situation just before they were married, and how they had to rebuild trust with each other in their understanding and communication, and now how they help others facing the same mountain. Let's start with Luke's story. My name is Luke Weaver. I'm a major league uh, baseball pitcher and hope to continue to do so for a little bit longer. So growing up in Deland, Florida, as a young kiddo, uh, baseball was definitely an aspiration and something that I dreamt of through the younger years and got into really early. It probably wasn't until about you know, late high school, some exposure started picking up and was able to get a verbal and then, you know, sign with Florida State University through the journey as a young boy all the way up to where I am now. The dedication and the time that was spent, the sacrifice of the, the long weekends and the baseball tournaments and you know, the gear and the money spent. I always remember my dad working, you know, the eight to five and in, in his construction uh, uh, business and you come home and, you know, I'd be done with practice at the field. And he just always mentioned like, hey, do you want to go practice some more? And of course, you know, a lot of times I'm probably groaning about it, like, oh, I'm tired, I'm this and that. But there was a dedication from him that always motivated and inspired me to keep pushing for more. And I think those added up into a mindset and to, you know, physically and mentally getting me to the big leagues and being there as long as I have and hopefully continue to to keep pushing, you know, through the ups and downs and and making memories and a career out of it. The first year in the Major League Baseball was a whirlwind, to say the least. It came with so much excitement and so much awe, just marveling and the, the new stadiums, but just every ballpark came with new feelings and new moments and taking pictures and just really soaking it up along with facing guys that you've watched on TV for so long. And you just kind of add all that in together and you're just like, man, this is this is really cool. 
But on the other side of that comes with, you know, having to face those guys and, and being in front of, you know, 40 to 50,000 people and trying to navigate through those pressures and challenges of just competing. And the hardest part about getting to the major leagues, obviously, besides getting to there is to stay there. You want to do the best you can to be consistent down the field. So where you're living, making friends, trying to fit in more than anything, just perform. Um, is something that you got to quickly navigate through and to make sure that you're well equipped and doing all the things you need to. A big person of influence is uh, Adam Wainwright. And uh, as a young 22-year-old coming up in the game to the big leagues my first year, he's been a veteran for a while now, but uh, he just put me under his wing. We had very similar mindsets. He's a strong believer. He showed all the things, all the qualities and things that I would want out of off the field, charitable involvement, how to carry himself around the locker room and a fierce competitor on the mound. I kind of gravitated towards him and he, he helped out a ton and that just built a, a strong relationship over the those couple years. And we were able to take mission trips overseas to, to Haiti and the Dominican Republic and be a, be a part of something bigger and, and really just open up my eyes to the bigger picture of this world and, and, and the help that it needs. And um, I think I'll forever be grateful for that. There's these moments where it's like I'm being challenged, but like God won't let me get to the breaking point. He's like, look, this is what could have happened but I'm not allowing that to because I need you to be able to go through this process and to learn from it and to build from it. There's been a few injuries just with the arm, the elbow. You know, they've diagnosed it as like a flexor strain, a ligament strain in baseball. The scary injury is the Tommy John injury, which is a ligament in your elbow that ends up tearing and it's about a, a year recovery. Just barely avoided that. And then I had a shoulder injury that was a capsule. They call it the subscap capsule. Deep down in your shoulder, there's this little ligament that connects kind of all the joints in there together. And I almost ruptured that. And I, I avoided that major surgery too. Every time there's that moment of like, but it could have been worse. You know, it could have been, it could have been monumentally worse in sitting out for eight weeks as opposed to eight months to, you know, or a year is a little bit different in the big scheme of things. So that's what keeps me humble in a sense. God's really doing a lot in my life right now and he's provided me with some success and getting to the big leagues and doing these things. But I think deep down I knew along the way that some tough times are gonna come. You know, I think preparing the fields for rain and knowing like, hey, you gotta put in all the work, but it doesn't mean that the rain's gonna come, you know, it's gonna come at some point, but we gotta stay ready. I've had some tough moments, but I sit there and I just like, how do I handle this like Jesus would? How do I go about this in a way that Jesus would handle it? But I just know like when I'm in tough conversations in that exact moment and the emotions are kind of all over the place, whether it's angry or, you know, upset or disappointed, whatever it may be, I always just feel like this sudden presence that Jesus is with me in the room. And in, in that moment, it it's, it's, it flips the switch and shows me this is the way you need to handle it because I want to be able to go to bed that night or have a conversation with my wife or family and just be like, this is how I could have handled it and this is the way it was going to be handled. 
but there was a moment every single time in any conversation I've had where his presence was there and he guided it in the way that it should have been done. And then at the end of the night, I could sit there and say, I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of the words that were able to flow through me. I'm proud of the way I could handle these situations because I know the long-term effect is much more impactful, not only for me, but hopefully for the person across the room and how they handle things going forward with other players or with other um, moments. And I think that's the, the learning experience for both sides. The Bible Glove has been an awesome way for me to show my faith, for me to have a platform on the mound and just around teammates and fans and all the way from coaches to the front office for the team. It's something that has always been a a forefront of how do I show this to the world, like besides just you know, living my life in a way that is as close to Jesus as I can or striving to be like that. And I think this was like kind of the most monumental way I felt like I could do it. And the feedback has been incredible. I mean, it's, I wear playing catch before games and I could hear fans like mentioning stuff and they, they take the time if I go over and talk with them like they are most of them always comment on it and whether it's a little conversation or whether it one that really leads to something impactful I think that's the whole goal of it just to create some conversation I try to connect into the word and with God on a daily basis and I'm I'm definitely not perfect and you know there's things that try to to wedge in between those times and that's the discipline of um, fighting for it and but a big part of these devotionals or uh, the the reading is connecting with people and that's a big part of these last few years for me is to have these group chats to have teammates and to have a chaplain there's a chaplain for every every team in the big leagues so you know you have your own chaplain essentially and So a lot of times having him lead in the group chat and just, or being a sounding board and and creating wisdom, that's a huge part of it that comes daily with reading. And you're going, okay, what did you guys get on this today? And so there's just a a conversation that builds. And if you didn't read that day, you're going, oh man, I got 20 messages sitting here. You know, you go to work and you follow a schedule or you have a routine, like you do those things. But part of that needs to be reading and time praying with God or whatever that whatever that amount of time is it is a discipline it is something that you got to be held accountable on and you're never too busy just to set aside that intentional I mean five minutes 10 minutes 15 whatever it may be um, and then start to build from that and to route and then allow that to be something that is a priority Jesus listens January 10th dear Jesus Please help me learn to appreciate difficult days, being stimulated by the challenges I encounter rather than becoming distressed. As I journey through rough terrain with you, I gain confidence from knowing that together we can handle anything. This knowledge is based on three blessings. Your presence continually with me, the Bible's precious promises, and my past experiences of coping successfully by depending on you. I need to remember 
that though my circumstances change immensely, you remain the same throughout time and eternity. Moreover, in you I live and move and have my being. As I live close to you, aware of your loving presence, I can confidently, through my toughest times, in your worthy name, amen. To keep up with Luke as spring training begins with the Cincinnati Reds, follow him on social media. Stay tuned to Talit and Ty McNeely's story after a brief message. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for our special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. Our next guests are husband and wife team Talit and Ty McNeely, who have made it their life's mission to help others find financial freedom after experiencing their own troubles when they were newly engaged. While going through premarital counseling, Ty, an investment banker at the time, learned of the mountain of debt Talit was in, and they had to rely heavily on prayer to help them find the strength to remedy their situation and move forward on a unified front. Hey, I'm Talit. And I'm Ty. And we are the co-founders of His and Her Money. Uh, We are also church planters, and we do our best to try to communicate the truth of God's word via personal finance, education, and through our church, through traditional means of teaching uh, the scriptures. That's right. We are a husband and wife duo. We've been married for 16 years, going on 17, and we have three beautiful children. I grew up heavily involved in athletics from, I mean, as early as I can remember, all the way through the conclusion of high school. My parents made sure that I stayed active in uh, sports, Boy Scouts, all kind of things, summer camps, church groups. They, they figured if I was busy doing positive things that I wouldn't have time to do any negative things. Uh, and education was of the utmost importance. We weren't rich. We weren't in poverty. We were probably smack dab in the middle. And my parents did their best with what the resources they had to give me the best opportunity to do even better in life than they were able to do. My parents were married for about 40 years before my mother went home to be with the Lord. My parents were also middle-class income household, but we didn't necessarily get everything that we wanted, but we never went without. So that was always a blessing to growing up. So because I was one of five, I couldn't 
really participate in a lot of activities outside of school and things like that because it costs money. And my parents were very, very, very conscious of how they spent their money. Uh, but I was very, very active in church growing up. I absolutely loved going to church. If I missed one Sunday or one Bible study throughout the week, I would literally cry because it was really my world. I was a part of like the choir, uh, the junior board and things like that. So church really took a lot of my time and had my, my attention. My family moved from one city to the next and that particular high school, I met Tyler and I was a freshman in high school and he hit me with a dodgeball in gym class. Few of them. Oh my gosh. Actually, I was a very prophetic child and I didn't really know what that was at that young of age, but God actually did put you on my heart. When I went home for the summer in high school, I thought about you all summer and I knew that you were probably going to be the one and be my husband eventually. Now, I was not allowed to date, yeah. so I didn't have like the googly eyes. I didn't have like the heart patterns and stuff like that for you. None of that existed, but you were definitely on my mind. So Jesus calling was telling you <laughs> that I was your husband way back in the day. Yes. The truth of the matter is we had spent some time post high school apart from each other. I entered into the military and she went into college. And so we were in two different places. I was in Texas. She was in Chicago. And I was making a lot of terrible decisions with my finances. I was out of the house and living on my own and having money of my own for the first time. And I just didn't know what to do with it. And so I created a mess. I racked up over $30,000 worth of debt. And then as the story continues on, we reconnected and we got to the point to where we were about to get married. And here I was about to be someone's husband, a leader of a household, and my finances were in disarray. So I thought, erroneously that the best thing I could do was to hide it and try to clean up the mess on my own before we got married so that I wouldn't drag it into the marriage. But I was lying about it because we were having premarital counseling and we were being taught what to talk about with each other. And one of those things was finances. And so when it would come up in conversation, I would lie. I wouldn't be honest. And it got to the point to where the mess that I was trying to clean up on my own silently, the plan wasn't working because God wasn't going to allow it to work because we couldn't build the foundation that we were about to bark, embark on with a lie. And so really, I was backed into a corner. I wasn't courageous. I wasn't honorable. It just got to the point that I had to come clean. I had to stop lying. And I was afraid that if I told her the truth that I would lose her because her financial situation was much different than what mine was. Put myself through college completely debt-free. I absolutely despised debt. So I have to kind of tell that picture first because and share that story because I was very, 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 very financially stable. And I believe that it had to do with my upbringing. And in my mind, I had assumptions. Here it is. I, I knew that Tyler left high school. He went to go be in the military. And I knew that he was getting a nice check from the government. So I knew that he didn't have a lot of responsibilities because the military put, put him up in housing and things like that. So I thought that here it is that he was stacking the Benjamins. I thought that he had a nice fat savings account, but actually it was the opposite. So we got to the point to where I had to open up, tell her the truth. And we almost didn't get married, not because of the money aspect, but because of the trust being broken. I wasn't being honest. I had told the opposite of what the reality was. When we went through premarital counseling, that's where everything really came out. We pulled credit reports. I highlighted things. I asked the questions. I thought that I did everything correct. But once he came and told the truth, I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated. I was an investment banker. And so here it is. I was helping other people with their finances and I couldn't even help my own fiance. 
because he didn't allow me to come in to assist him. But little did he know, I was ready to embrace his debt. I was ready to help him throughout the journey. So it took a lot of prayer and a whole lot of conversation for us to come back together and walk down that aisle and continue to move forward uh, with our lives together after the, the truth of the situation came out. So the way that we started our marriage, we thought that we started off on the right foot because Tyler came up with the bright idea and I agreed that, hey, Ty, since you're better with the money and finances, how about you handle the money in our relationship and you just tell me how much money I can spend every week? I thought that it was a great plan uh, because, again, I enjoyed the numbers. I enjoyed creating budgets and things like that. And so we did that for probably, I would probably say the first three to six months of our marriage. But little did we realize that was a big mistake because it started to build strife and tension within our relationship. Yeah. So it had to start, I believe, with humility. It had to start with searching the common ground. So now we had to reevaluate the situation. We weren't doing things the right way because we weren't communicating. We weren't telling each other how we really felt. And so we ended up in a similar situation, although it looked better on the surface, but we had to communicate, you know what, this thing that we're trying, it's not working because we're both not playing our part. She was doing all the work. I was doing all the complaining. And so we had to have that conversation. We had to say, well, I feel like I'm getting a handout. And then she had to say, well, I feel like I'm doing all the work and not being appreciated for the work that I'm doing to help clean up the mess that you created. So it was through those conversations that we realized that although we both have strong suits in this equation, we both still have to play our part. It doesn't mean that everything you do has to be 50-50. It just couldn't be 100 to zero. Sometimes it looked like 60-40 or 70-30. Sometimes it did look like 50-50, but we had to move away from the 100-0 ratio that we had going on. And that's how we were able to bring our opposite personalities and styles together was through critical conversations and honest and transparent conversations to get on the same page. I went to prayer. I went to God in prayer. I involved the Lord in our decision-making. Lord, what do what should I do? How should I walk this out? And then once God began to deal with my heart, I was able to embrace, again, the journey. So we allowed prayer to be really the pivotal uh, part in our marriage. Lord, how do we budget together? And so we had to involve prayer in how we walked that out. And then we added on top of prayer, we started to dream. We started to look at what did we want our life to look like in the future here we have a clear understanding of where we stand we have this amount of debt we got these bills we have this income but what are we doing this work for that's important because there's an old saying that goes if you aim at nothing you'll hit it every single time and so we began to write goals we began to dream really really big and ambitiously as though the god of the universe that we serve could do anything and so that became fuel for us we were budgeting because we're trying to get ourselves to a place of financial freedom. We were making sacrifices. We were taking our lunch to work because we're trying to create margin that helps us to get out of debt quicker. But the reason why is because this life that we are pursuing, we got to do some hard work now that'll allow us to have much more options down the road. So you can't just go out and try to do the work 
on itself because you won't have staying power. You'll get frustrated. You'll see other people doing things and you'll want to do those things. But if you have a goal, a target that you're aiming at, if you take the time to dream and give yourself concrete goals and, and benchmarks that you're trying to hit, the hard work becomes less hard because you know that the progress that you're making is actually leading you somewhere. So that was imperative for us as well. For me, it impacted uh, my faith because for so long, I, I felt hopeless in this area. I felt like I had these gifts and these strengths in other areas, but when it came to my money, I just could not figure it out. And I had finally submitted to his process and his will for my money. And because we began to follow the path of what the scriptures say, what the Bible actually says about money, I saw the change that I had been striving for for so long. And then it made me realize that, man, lining your life up with the scripture is the key. And it made my faith even stronger because, man, if he allowed me to overcome this mountain, there's some other mountains that he can help me with as well. One scripture that comes to mind for me is John 8 and 32. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We became that free. Our first year of marriage, that was a huge accomplishment. And we know without a shadow of a doubt that we could not have done that if talent did not come clean. When God pricks your heart in the area, and, and again, we're talking about finances, it's because he wants to do something in your life. He doesn't want your finances to be a burden. He actually wants it to be a blessing. He uses you to be able to give and do things for others um, that you wouldn't be able to do if you were you know, full of debt. And so Talon and I didn't really know the magnitude of what taking this step will lead to. Now, 17 years later in our marriage, here it is, the Lord uh, allowed us to plant a church. And we often talk about and discuss this. Would we have been able to do this so freely if we had so much debt? We're not so sure that we would have been able to. So God's way is always the best way. Listening to him, again, leaning into prayer, asking him, Lord, order my steps. Show me how to do this. I don't know how to do this, but show me how to do it. The Bible clearly tells us that with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things possible. So it starts with your level of faith, not in yourself, not in your talent, skills, or ability, but your level of faith in the faithfulness of the God that you serve. He doesn't want you to be bound. He doesn't want you to be shackled. He doesn't want you to be full of anxiety about your finances. He wants you to be free, but there is work that you have to do. That's number one, up your level of faith and your level of execution based on the word of God. Number two, um, just know that you are not alone because sometimes the devil just loves to make you think that you created such a mess for yourself that's so unique and unheard of and unreal. And that's why we created our platform to demonstrate all kinds of examples of all different people in all different situations who all came to the same destination of freedom financially. So when you take your faith, when you add action and then you allow yourself to realize that this is something that has been overcome by others, therefore it can also be overcome by me, then you have some energy and some staying power to do what's necessary to get from the place that you are financially to the place that you want to be. To learn more about Talit and Ty, please visit hisandhermoney.com. If you'd like to hear more stories about faith amidst uncertainty, check out our interview with Janine Urbaniak-Reed.
Next time on the Jesus Calling Podcast, we'll hear from 103-year-old nun, Sister Jean Schmidt, chaplain for the Loyola Ramblers men's basketball team, who played a critical role in the team's success. Sister Jean strives to wake up with purpose each and every morning and lives her life in a way that has inspired countless people across the globe. In the morning, I wake up, I thank God for bringing me to this day, and then I say, please help me to do everything for your honor and glory. And that's my great purpose in life is to serve God and to be faithful to Him and to help people. Want to hear more inspirational stories of people who have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then subscribe today to the Jesus Calling Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please be sure to leave a review, which helps us reach and inspire others with these stories. Plus, if you like seeing our guests as well as hearing them, you can find video interviews available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com Jesus Calling Book on Facebook and on the Jesus Calling Instagram page.